What up everybody, welcome to the dugout. You're here with your host Ryan Leaf. I'm actually here with my first guest that I've been telling you all about. I'm here with Creason Pele. What's up Creason? How's it Ryan? Thanks for having me on the show. Anytime my guy, anytime. How are you? You right? I'm good, thanks. It's all good. Listen, tell our audience more about you. Who are you? Uh, so, my name is Creason. As, as Ryan introduced me right now, I'm a very close friend of, of Ryan. Having gone through school with him, university with him. Um, we're very passionate about our respective football clubs, um, who we strongly, strongly support. Mm. Um, I'm very proud of Ryan for, for starting this podcast of his. And it's a real privilege for me to be the first guest on your show. Thanks, man. I appreciate having you here, Kaysen. So, that was a very good intro. I like how you told our viewers and our listeners all about this, uh, our content, what we're about. So, just to get into things, not to play games. Yeah. With the Europa League on, on Tuesday, what actually happened? So, what actually happened? Did, did Arsenal capitulate, or was it a good performance from Chelsea? Before we get into that, I just like to say that it's an actually it's actually a really credible um, credible of the English teams to have got this far in Europe um, for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think that it's such an honor for the Premier League to have four representatives in two European finals. No, I mean, we know the competition has been dominated by Spain for almost a decade now yeah. with Sevilla's domination in the Europa League and then Real Madrid yeah. and Barcelona's no, 100%. pursuits in the Champions League so before we get into the teams and, and how they performed in the first final it's been an actually actually it's been a real remarkable achievement for the four teams to, to appear in the finals so no, 100%. before we get into that yeah that's, that's really good from them uh, in terms of the final I thought first I thought that um, in terms of having it at Baku it had a very training atmosphere to the that game. It was a terrible idea because the fans were so far from yeah, the pitch. Yeah, so that wasn't really good. They had it at an Olympic Stadium in Baku, which... And Baku is also situated in the mid- near the Middle East, which is miles and miles away exactly. from it took Central fans, Europe. It took fans so much just to yeah. travel all the way there. Uh, we know that Arsenal and Chelsea returned many of their tickets, which made it seem like a, tra- like a pre-season friendly. So the fans weren't really engaged in the game, and it did have a sense of... A training ground atmosphere to the 100%, final. Yeah. In terms of the final itself, um, a decent final. I don't think it'll be a, a memorable one. I think that Arsenal started off really well. Um, in the first half, they played some good football. Unlucky to probably take the lead at halftime. Um, they did have the better share in the final third in Chelsea's box. No, 100%. Yeah, uh, I remember. So that. they did really well in the first half. However, like you mentioned at the beginning, Second half, they sort of fell away. Uh, defensively, summing up Arsenal as a football club in the last decade since their invincible season in 2004, I think that their defence sort of just fell apart. Uh, and then obviously, when you've got somebody like Eden Hazard running in behind, it's, he just took the game away. Who's, uh, whose fault is it at Arsenal? Because the reality is, Unai Emery has been there. He's only had, what, two windows? Yeah. He hasn't had much money to spend. Yeah. They've got Steve Bowles as a defensive coach there. Yeah. It's Steve Bowles' responsibility to obviously coach these players out of these defensive errors they make every single week. Yeah. Who, who would you ultimately blame for these errors or these, these defensive issues they have at Arsenal? Uh, I think that... I'm not going to say Arsene Wenger. It's, un, it's unfair to blame him. And you can't blame Unai Emery at this point. He's only had one transfer window. He needs time as a manager to, to get his, his philosophy right and the players that he wants to come into that side. Uh, but I think that the type of football that Arsenal play, they're very expansive, very 
attack minded 100% and that's no reason to be weak defensively don't get me wrong um but i feel like over the last couple of years you've seen them they spend more emphasis on playing that tiki taka type of attacking football but they haven't almost got the personnel being, yeah one of the reasons is not having the personnel at the back but they're more of an offensive minded team rather than being solid and stable at the back um so their focus doesn't seem like it's it's there even if yeah. you look at their full backs uh, koshialnak and well belerin plays most of, most part of, of the time aside from his injury very high flying down the wing full backs more offensively minded rather than being defensively minded first then being offensive mm-hmm. um and also the center backs that they currently have koshialny is aging he's very old now mm-hmm. um they've got um the guy that they signed from dortmund um last season he's been decent but not enough to warrant uh, or take them to the next level defensively 100%. So so am I wrong in saying that someone like Mesut Ozil is like the most frustrating player to watch week in week out as a Arsenal fan? I know you don't support I, Arsenal but yeah, yeah. watching him as a neutral week okay. in week out. My my thing on on Mesut Ozil is he's a very good player in a luxury football team. Mm. If he goes and plays for Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich where they've dominating 90% of the games, having 90% of the possession. He's a luxury player. He looked like an absolute superstar like he did when he was at Real Madrid. He's got time on the ball. He's got the players that he wants to score. He's playing in a better team. Yes. When you need him to play in a team that requires him to do a work, a job, mm. or work, um, or lead from the front. Yes. In the Premiership, you don't have that luxury. The game is too fast-paced. It's end-to-end stuff. You need a player that's fit who can run for 90 minutes. Mesut Ozil is, and I'm sure a lot of fans would agree. A football fans would agree with me. Yeah. Where he spends half the game, if not more than half the game, yeah, walking. Um, and that's not really ideal. No, that's true. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know, in my opinion, Mesut Ozil is the most frustrating player I've seen for a long time. For an extremely long time, I haven't seen someone as lackluster. and someone that doesn't put in the shifts required to be at that football club and i mean he's on 300k a week yeah i think when they signed him from real madrid um he was obviously at the time one of the best number 10s in the world 100% from real madrid and he he's actually actually his departure at the time was was a bit of a shock when he left real madrid yeah um and arsenal were very fortunate at the time to coop such a big signing yeah so his wages at the time did justify itself Yeah, 300k. No, 100%. Um, but if any if there was a good time to ship him out in terms of where Arsenal want to be in the next 5 years, I think that it's a good opportunity for them to to let him go now. You can clear your wage bill. You can put a potentially sign somebody else in that position. There are a lot of good young players on the market. Um and then we saw um the young guy Willock come on. Yes. He did more in 5 minutes than the majority of the, the majority of players they did more than you know what i mean yeah so mm. you rather i mean arsenal again not where they want to be but they want to be in the Euro- they're going to be in the europa league again next year and it's a good opportunity for them to blood probably Some the, the youth, next generation. the next generation um i know it's a competition that gives you access to the champions league and yes. if it did go their way they would have qualified if they won yeah. the game um but it's a good opportunity for them to throw in these young players and and develop them and just go forward i mean mm. mr rose mm. is past that now it's probably the right time to let him go so so what are uni mri's priorities now in the summer going forward i mean the window is open players are becoming available what what are his priorities does he need to get rid of the deadwood first or does he need to obviously replace certain players or actually make some new additions to that squad i think that i think that uni mri is a, 
one of the, one of the good managers, one of the better managers in in Europe. That's he's true. Very, very he's very he's very really, he's a hard worker. He's Correct. he's very tactically um, astute. He's in depth. He he works very hard. Apparently, apparently, I've been reading that he's actually staying at the training ground till like yeah midnight. At the start of the season, I read an article that said that um, in terms of training, mm. um, Ramsey and Wilshere preseason training back before Wilshere left, they were actually saying that the training that Unai Emery puts them through is actually chalk and cheese in yes. comparison to what they went through with Wenger mm. Um, mm. so it goes to show that he's very much on the fitness side of things and uh, I mean he's got a track record if you look at his Sevilla teams can't really judge him on PSV, uh, PSG sorry yeah. um, but his track record at Sevilla is very good I know it's a Spanish league but um, to win three consecutive Europa leagues is, is no easy feat I'm actually in quite concerned league. because I mean if I look at the emotions of that squad and what's been going on I don't know if Gannon Schack is on his own when he has this kind of statement but Last week in the Daily Mail, he was talking to one of the journalists and he actually mentioned, they actually asked him personally, does he think United Emirates is the person to take Arsenal forward? And his answer was, I don't know. I don't know if that's indicative of the actual yeah. mood within the change room or... Yeah, I mean, after a disappointing season, I know they made the Europa League final, but yeah. um, I think Arsenal fans would have expected more, as they always do. It's a big club it's and expectations club. are always very very high at Arsenal exactly. just like any other top 6 Premier League club exactly. um, so finishing 5th is not going to be especially with them being so close to the Champions League spots yeah. and failing to deliver in those last couple of games so Dan Chaka may feel a little bit hard done uh, well, hard done by the way the season ended yeah, 100%. for him to pass comments like it may be very emotive for him to do that 100% shots um, but um, I think it's unfair to judge um, Emery of one season yeah. I think that he needs a few transfer I think windows. given time, given yes. some money to spend. Correct. Uh, given time to obviously make that, that team a reflection of his own image. Yeah. That's when we can judge him Correct. ultimately. I really, um, in terms of the two signings that he made with Torreira and um, Genduzi, I really like those two players. I think they're good footballers. But there's other areas in our, at Arsenal that needs major attention, tensioning up. Um, I promise you, right back scares me. Defensive right back and centre back. Yeah. I know Ainsley Metal now is putting a big shift. He's putting a serious shift. He's done very well for his tender mm. age, but the reality is yeah, no, they need a few more. They need a right bodies. back and a centre back. Yeah. Someone that can almost almost command the back four like yeah. how Van Dyke does for Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, also on because Socrates can't do it by himself. For sure. And also on that they need a I mean Arsenal's been crying out for a leader. Uh, for years it's now. A similar, it's a similar approach to, to United in the sense that Ever since Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira left their clubs, nobody has really stepped in. Okay, you could say for United we had Vidic and Ferdinand, but um, but for Arsenal, no one's actually stepped no up one's and taken the mantle. Taken the mantle, and no one's actually been that leader that they've been crying out for after yes. Vieira. They had Henri for a short period of time, um, but there's no leader in that side. That's true. No, that that's very true. I think they could really do with having a player who combines qualities of leadership and obviously good yeah. quality on the pitch. Yeah. They could. They, they need someone that's gonna come in there and because I don't see many players shouting or pushing or commanding yeah, yeah. or no, pulling a player not. to come here. You know, no, saying if if they're winning one 0 no, you don't see players saying sit here, stay here. Yeah, let's keep it tight for a second. Yeah. Get to half time and we work from there. Yeah, no, they they're really lacking in that department. Um, but I do think that that would be one of Emery's focal points going into the the window. I do think they'll try tensioning up. Without no Champions League and the tiny budget, mm. how do Arsenal move forward? Who, who do Arsenal actually go out there and convince that, you know what, this is the club for you, this is, this is the club that you need to be at, yeah. this is how we're going to improve and this is where we're going. Who, who do Arsenal get realistically? I think that irrespective of the fact that they're working off a tiny budget and the fact that they're in the Europa League, Arsenal are still a massive club. 100%. And um, I mean the stadium, the fans, um, the fact that it's Arsenal Football Club, they're huge. 
they will have a pull on players. Yes. Obviously to an extent. Um they're not going to sign the world class players of yes. this world right now. Um but they do have a pull in a sense that they can sign quality footballers. Uh, and I know the the scouting departments are in a good in a good space. I mean if you compare what's going on at at other football clubs um Arsenal are a little bit better off in terms of their recruitment and their and their structure and all of that. No, oh, yes. So they can pull off um signings. I think that they may have to look into some of the smaller leagues. I mean if you look at there's always such good footballers in the French league and uh, the Dutch league. Mm-hmm. Um so they're probably going to look at signings at that level. Yeah. But that does not rule out the fact that there could be a possibility that they look out for some marquee signings. Yeah. Budget might be an issue though. Um if they do have a small budget then obviously that's a major constraint in any given any, world. Any kind of given world, yeah. yes. Okay, so uh in our talk about Arsenal, now we've discussed the Europa League final now. We've discussed what happens to Arsenal and how they move forward. So tomorrow evening is the UEFA Champions League final. We have Liverpool versus Tottenham and they're playing at the Wanda Metropolitano at Madrid. <sighs> it's going to be a big final, Christian. You know, I'd like to be a a cocky Liverpool fan and say, you know what, this is what's going to happen, but I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I would love to say to my team are going to win by a massive score and yeah. feel confident about it, but Tottenham have got so many players coming back. Tottenham have got Harry Kane back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Harry Winks is back, obviously he's a quality yeah. midfielder. Yeah. Um I think Tottenham actually are a team where they find ways to break down opposition. Yeah. So, what do you think is the best solution for Spurs? Either they play a, a 4-4-1-1 with Lucas Moura having a free role, yeah. or obviously a 3-4-3 like how they've been playing recently with Davinson Sanchez, Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld. What do you think uh, is the better so formation? So, I had to think about it and I think that for Spurs, um obviously Harry Kane's going to come back into the side and he's going to start. He's probably the captain on the field in terms of football, playing football. If he's fit, he plays. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, Hugo Lloris is the captain, but um, yeah. Harry Kane's the playing field captain. If that makes any sense. Yes. Um, he's a leader on the pitch, and if he's fit, he's going to start, irrespective of the fact that he didn't have any match practice. Um, I look at the side, and I see that. I mean, the way I see it is that Lucas Moura has to start in the final. He's got a hat trick in the semis. It's oh a no-brainer. Yes. Oh yes. So does Song uh, Son Heung Min. So does Christian Eriksen. Mm. I feel there's no place to start for Dele Alli um in the final. Yeah. Uh, I mean you've got a re- you've already got a front four. You you wouldn't play him alongside um, someone like Eric Dyer or Musa Sissoko. No, I'll okay. tell you why. I feel like um in a final and Spurs going into the final as underdogs. Um and I think I'm right when I'm saying they're going to final as underdogs. I mean that's 100% after the season, correct. That is correct. Liverpool had um, no bias there, that's correct. Yeah. Um I think that it's a bit expensive for them to go with already four attack uh, four attackers and still throwing Dele Alli into that mix. It'll be five attackers that's very expensive. If you go in the first 10 minutes, Liverpool can go 2-0 up, the final can be done. Yes. If we're going to expensive. Mm. So I think that Pochettino may think he could go three at the back. Um Davison Sanchez and the two Belgian boys um and then play uh, Rose and a very poor Kieran Trippier down the right hand side. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He could do that or he could go two at the back. Um, with these two fullbacks and play two mid- two in midfield. Yeah. Uh, Musa Sissoko has had an incredible season. Um, I know they signed him two years ago for thirty million from Newcastle, and there were yeah. a lot of eyebrows about how can you pay so much for a footballer of his standard. But with all due respect, he's really turned his performances around, and he's been. He's actually been. He's, he's been Spurs' best I don't performer. I world class. I think. I think over a calendar year, he's been Spurs' best yeah. performer. That's for sure. Down. And he's 
he's fit. He starts tomorrow in that in that centre midfield position. Yes. Um. So I think they're going to try and team up with somebody else. I'm not sure if it's going to be Eric Dyer because towards the end part of the season, Eric Dyer was sitting on the bench for a short while. I think it, it, I think it will Wings. be. I think it will um, be. I think I think Harry Wings yeah. hasn't got the fitness to start. Okay. Yeah. I think he'll be more he'll be more of an off the bench yeah. option for energy. Yeah. So, but I, I am quite confident that he might go for two two players in a holding role. Yes. And then play with. Um, I wouldn't say free role, but a lot of interchanging between Lucas Mora and Son, um, with Eriksen playing probably ahead of the two centre midfielders, and then Harry Kane up top. Um, mm, it's mm. a safe bet because um, I know that Liverpool will do a lot of pressing in midfield, and you want to be solid at the back. 100%. You don't want to let. And in a final, you want to. St- they want to stay in the game for as long as possible. Yes. You don't want to go one 0 down, two 0 down, and your final is over before half time. So it's yeah. going to be very. Um, very tough at the beginning um, lots of nervy passes understandably so it's a Champions League final and um, so I think Pochettino might just try to build his work work his way or work his team into the game yeah, rather so than going gung-ho no 100% so like you were saying with, with Dele Alli as part of a two in midfield mm. I think I think if Poch does choose to decide that kind of formation yeah. would say Eric Dyer, or even even someone like Musa Sissoko in there with Dele Alli mm. I think they'll actually be overrun because if you look at Liverpool's midfield, they have that inverse 4-3-3. Yeah, yeah. And those midfielders, if, if Genie and Milner start mm. with Fabinho just covering there, I think that's yeah. enough legs to actually overrun that midfield that they have. Yeah, I don't think that... For me, Dele Ali, Dele Ali is not a he's not a holding midfielder. Or he's not... I feel like he's... What is he? Ah, that's a very good question. Because... Would you call him like uh, an 8.5? People have differing opinions on Dele Ali. Is he a 10? Is he a box-to-box? We know he's not a holding midfielder, but he he defies opinion. Mm. And for me personally, and I'm going to say it, I don't really rate Dele Ali at the level that people rate him. Hundred uh, percent. For a lot of reasons, I don't feel like he's hardworking enough on the pitch. He, pro- he produces one or two good football moments. You see a couple of flashes. Yes, flashes of it, but flashes at best. He's but not you consistent. Don't see consistently. He's not consistent. He's not hardworking. He's not going to put in a tackle. He's not going to shift and run and and chase and, and I. I'm not a Spurs fan. I don't watch all the Spurs games, but I watch enough to know that I don't think he's that at that level. I think that Son is a better player. I think that um, Lucas Mora is better right now. Christian Eriksen is obviously a cut above everyone yeah, it else. Cuts above the rest. And then you've got Harry Kane. Um, and then Definitely. you're going to go. I mean, this, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start with two proper holding midfielders tomorrow. Yeah, no, like 100%. A, like, yeah, like a Sissoko and somebody else to partner him. But but just to go back to our question of formations. Yeah, yeah. Does he play three at the back now to counter the threats of obviously Sadio Mane, yeah. Felipe, sorry my, my mistake, uh, Roberto Firmino, and obviously uh, Mohamed Salah. Yeah. Does he I play? Does he play three against three, or does he play a back four? Um, I think he's gonna go three. I think he might be a little safe. Um, play yeah. Two inverted um, fullbacks, and then let uh, sort of Son and Lucas Moura move in slightly um, inwards, inside, almost inside, yeah. instead of being natural wide wingers, um, and they're gonna try and. At the same time, remember that um, with Trent and uh, and Robertson, both wingers who like to play, uh, f- sorry, fullbacks that like to play high up, um, there might be spaces in behind. So these are areas in which the wingers for Spurs would like to sort of run down mm-hmm. um, if they can catch him on the counter and stuff like yes. that. Uh, so that's a possibility. Yes. But I do think he might start with three at the back. I think it's um, it's safe. Mm. Um, because remember it's obviously, a thing, it's obviously a thing where, where Pochettino oh, feels safer with having to obviously yeah. combat those front three and he's actually done it in a few games in the Champions League if I'm not mistaken he did it against City yeah he, he did the back. and it worked and it worked it definitely so worked and I also can say that um, in terms of Spurs 
their players will know that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for them 100% they will know that this group of spurs players will probably never get another chance to play in a champions league final mm. whereas Liverpool can easily do it again next year yeah so spurs as a football club know that it's a shot yeah and these players are going to give nothing short of 200% tomorrow it's going to be a very hard game for liverpool at the same time liverpool are favorites let's let's flip the coin now to the liverpool let's go to Merseyside. side so if if you think about it for a second does liverpool's experience in champions league finals obviously hold them in good stead i mean despite the fact that they lost it and obviously it yeah. kind of hurt them last year yeah. do you think they could almost channel that anger towards obviously defeating spurs yeah definitely i think that uh, they would have learned from just participating in that final last year that 90 minutes walking off the pitch and seeing that uh, seeing Real Madrid pick up the, the Champions League is never an easy sight for any football club that's on the on the losing end pick, seeing seeing your competition or your competitor picking up the Champions League final is obviously a very bitter pull to take yeah and um, they would have learned from that last year and they would not want to experience the same feeling that they did mm. this year um, I mean to lose two finals would be Absolutely horrible. Oh, it'll be as terrible. Player, it'll be fan. terrible as a fan. I mean, we've been crying yeah. for number six for yeah. years, and th- to be so close. Yeah. To be so close. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there would be. I think that Klopp would would have got all the players um, in the right frame of mind, and I think that they would be very very well equipped uh, to handle yeah. it. I'd be bu- surprised, and it would be bizarre if I saw um, nervousness or anything yeah. like that sort. I think that they would go confident positive mm. uh, from the onset and go straight at um, yeah. at Spurs they're not going to sit around and, and try and wait for something to happen they're going to try and finish it in the 90 there's almost a couple of key battles on the pitch that I'm looking forward yeah. to I'm looking forward to almost Fabinho versus Christian Eriksen yeah okay that's good Yeah. I'm, I'm keen to see that I'm keen to see um, obviously Mohamed Salah versus Toby Alderweireld or Jan Vertonghen mm-hmm. I'm also very keen to see how Harry Kane faces yeah. against Virgil van Dijk that's it for me yeah. uh, that's the main one for me I just want to start uh, with Kane and say that I hope that he doesn't have to go off after 10 minutes. I know his injury is, but that would be poor for the final. Like what that happened that Salah last year. in the final, yeah. yeah. Like how Salah went off, um, it sort of just changed the complexity. It just dampened the, the entire game. Yeah. So I know Kane's coming back from injury, but I hope he's fit enough to carry himself throughout the yeah. 90 minutes and obviously perform at a level that we want to see him perform at. Oh, yes. We don't want to see him hobbling around and playing for the sake of being Harry Kane. Yeah. Uh, we want to see a, a foot Harry Kane. Um, but that's a battle that I'm really excited to see. Christian, in terms of causing Liverpool problems, yeah. how do Spurs do that? Because the reality is, I don't see a weakness. I don't see a leak. Yeah. I see Andy Robertson being very strong at left-back. Yeah. Trent is very strong at, at right-back as well. Then oh. we have, obviously, I'd say Joe Matip starts next to Virgil van Dijk tomorrow. Fabinho just ahead of them. Ultimately, how do Spurs get at this team? Yeah. What, what do they have to do to either get behind or somehow clinch a goal? Because I'm not being biased here, but mm. I don't see it. Okay. That's a valid, valid, valid point you have there. Uh, but I also just want to point out to say that it's a final, mm. and anything goes um, in a final. Form goes Anything's out the window entirely. Possible and Spurs, a front, the front four that they have, can hurt any team. Yeah. Um, Son, Mora, Kane are near world-class players. In fact. Son is probably a world-class player. I think so is Kane. I, I think Spurs are going to give the ball a lot to Son to almost target yeah. Trent. Uh, I can see that happening a lot. So I would never write off them creating chances. Yeah. Um, nobody expected them to beat City over two legs. And when they went to the Etihad, I know that they had some fortune in the sense that they got those goals that they shouldn't have probably got yes. off Florentes' hip and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but they can hurt a team. They, I know that they blow more cold days against the big teams than hot. 
but it is possible. Uh, we're in for a good game. There will be goals. Mm. I think it will be done in the 90. I do think that. I don't think it will go to extra time, but I mean, obviously, it can happen. But I mm. think there will be goals, and I think somebody will win it within the 90. Um, close game, end to end stuff. Yeah. But I think we're in for a really good final. I think that form goes out the window. Liverpool will be favourites, but um, a wonderful game in store. Uh, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. I'm actually going to yeah. be in Joburg at the uh, the Liverpool pub up there. So. Watching it with my family. Where are you gonna watch the game, Kristen? Um, I'll be where I always am, at home. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, no better place than watching a game like watching the Champions League final at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love it there. Um, yeah. So no, hundred percent. I I actually can't wait. I can't wait to see the formations tomorrow. The teams that are going to be coming out. I can't wait just to watch the the UCL ceremony at at the beginning. There's going to be so much action tomorrow, people. You know, there's going to be a lot happening. I hope you guys are all going to be staying tuned. I'm here with my friend, Kristen Pillay. He's my first guest on the show. I'm really happy for all you guys to be tuning in. Kristen, where can people find you on social media? Tell us. Uh, you can get me on Twitter. Okay. Um, underscore, sorry, at my name and 12. So it's at Kristen12. Um, and then, yeah, Instagram, I barely use it, but... Recent 12 again, <laughs> but you can catch me on Twitter. I, I really like Twitter, it's a great platform for football, especially 100%. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. You can find us on Instagram at, at the dugout podcast, you can find my personal profile at Ryan double underscore leaf, and you can find me on Twitter as well at RW leaf green. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Have a great evening, enjoy the Champions League final. Cheers.